All right. You guys at home, getting your coffee. You can hear me talking. Run back to your couch. People out in the lobby getting coffee. We're going to go ahead and get started. Listen, um, last week we kicked off this series called The Elephant in the Room, and we're talking about mental health, and we're trying to connect mental health with the gospel. And I just need to say this as a reminder before I introduce our speaker, that the reason that we're talking about these areas is because sometimes what we've noticed in church, especially in church, is that there are hard things, hard topics, there are dark places, and we don't like to talk about those because for whatever reason it makes us feel weird on the inside. And, and I just need to remind you that we're talking about it because we need to bring light into those places. And, and as we do that, let me just encourage you with this truth from Scripture. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, somebody say cannot. It cannot overcome it, right? So the more light we bring into these topics, into these places, the more hope there is for people and for ourselves. Um, I don't ever want you to forget that the gospel speaks to the things that we deal with, right? So Christianity is not coming to church and just like, hey, here we are, let's have a one-hour service and go home. No, the gospel speaks to all these places. And I don't know where you are on your journey, right? Last week when we kicked this off, um, what I told you was if you put your hand in Jesus' hand, Jesus always leads us to mental health, right? So we know from Timothy that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a sound mind. So he leads us away from fear. He leads us toward mental health. But yet what we all know is that we're all at different places on the journey, right? And so some days, don't you feel like I'm killing it? And then some days it's like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And that's just part of walking with Jesus. But if you keep your hand in his, he's always going to lead you to mental health. I also told you that um, I was not the smartest person in the room, right? And so this is an area that I'm, I'm growing in, I'm learning in. I'm hungry to learn more, and what we want to do is always bring people to the platform that know more than we do and that can speak into these areas. And so this morning is certainly um, that's going to happen because Dr. Natalie Atwell is with us, and she's, um, I could tell you so much about her. You can come on up here. Y'all give her a big hand as she's coming for sure. Um, I, I could tell you about all the letters that are behind her name because there are a lot of letters behind her name. But what I love about, um, and I get to just call her Natalie because she said we could do that. What I love about Natalie is that, you know, how many of you recognize this past year, which is now almost the past year and a half. We have to stop saying the past year because it's continuing. But the past year, was it wor- not the wor- roughest year of your life? Who by your hands would just say yes? It was brutal. Listen. In the last year, I'll, I'll introduce Natalie like this. Man, she's been a friend to us in a really tough season, right? And isn't it good to have friends that can come alongside you and just support you and love you and speak truth into your life? And so it's an honor to have you here this morning. And I just, um, y'all give her one more big welcome as she comes just to share with us. Thank you so much. All those letters just mean I've been in school for a long time and I spent a lot of money. Um, let's give a hand to your pastor and his family for giving. And I say that to say, to glorify God and the work he's doing in him, because not many pastors acknowledge that we should talk about mental health from in this setting, but we should. God talks about it in his word. He talks about it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I just want to thank you so much for allowing me to be here and to speak the message that God has laid on my heart. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Thank you. And um, my mom's here. She taught me one thing she taught me 
she's really scared that I might tell an embarrassing story, but she, one of the things she taught me is you get a new dress on Mother's Day, so I have a new dress. Obviously, my sister has the almost exact same dress. We did not plan that, <laughs> but anyway, so that's why I have a dress on today, because that's just something you're supposed to do. So if you don't have a new dress, go out and get one after this with maybe the gift card that you bought. You win. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I am so thankful that my mom is here and my sisters. They're godly mothers that I can learn a lot through, and I'm so thankful for them. Dad, I didn't know this was the hardest year of your life. Wow. When, he, when Pastor Paul said, raise your hand if this was the hardest year of your life, I'm like, wow, Dad, okay. You've been a, here a long time, so... That's interesting. That's the hardest year of your life. <laughs> I'm so glad the hardest year of his life wasn't when I was at home. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God for that. Well, today we're going to talk about the story of Hannah. And I know Hannah seems like a typical Mother's Day story from God's Word. But I really want you to look at it in a different aspect today and talk about who we're really seeking. I love that they sang that song, The More I Seek You, The More I Find You. And we're going to talk about seeking God today and how that can um, impact our mental health in one way or the other. But the first person I'm going to talk about before we get started is a man named Alfred Nobel. Anybody heard of the Nobel Prize? Yeah. You have that picture up for us? Isn't he a good-looking man there? I'm just kidding. Maybe he was back in that day. Um, but anyway, that, that was when he lived. Well, he's actually the founder of the Nobel Prize. But before that, he was known for so many different achievements and contributions. He had over 335 different patents. He established the Nobel Foundation, though, because he didn't want to be remembered a certain way. You see, he was the inventor of dynamite. Anybody know that? All the boys and all the little boys in the room were like, yes, dynamite. You know, my kids, maybe. Hopefully they don't play with dynamite. Um, but when his brother died, this is the interesting thing. When his brother died, Ludwig, in 1888, a French newspaper mistakenly published his obituary instead of his brother. I wonder what your obituary would say, Jessica, my sister, if it was, they were saying something about me instead of you, that might be interesting. You might not want that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But reading his own obituary, Nobel was disgusted to find out what his public image was. Here's a quote from the obituary. Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Wow. Who wants that on their tombstone? Not me. Um, but, but to him, it was a warning. It was a warning that, hey, is this really how I want to be remembered? So it inspired him to do something amazing. He ended up, a year before he died, he set up this huge foundation, and he gave 94% of his assets to start the Nobel Peace, or the Nobel Prizes, which were five different awards. The story of Hannah today that I want to share with you guys in Scripture, I want it to serve as sort of a warning to us. Just like his obituary, even though he had not passed yet, was a warning to him. Let the story of Hannah be a warning to us for how we should view seeking the Lord and seeking our lives. So if you'll stand with me to honor the Word of God and reading the Scriptures. In 1 Samuel 1, 
in verse 1. And Knox here, who loves Knox? He seems precious. Me too, yes. I just met him earlier, and he is he has the sweetest smile. Anyway, this sermon is not about um, Knox, but he's precious. He told me if I couldn't pronounce a name in the Bible to just say alphabet. So thank you for that. <laughs> there was a man from alphabet. In the hill country of Ephraim, his name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. Is that interesting to anyone else? Maybe that was his first problem, right? The first name Hannah and the second Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hopni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Wherever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to each of her sons and daughters, but he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Have you ever been that depressed before where you just couldn't even eat? I think I tend to do the opposite, you know, eat too much. Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I just think that's hilarious that her husband says to her in her deep anguish, What's wrong with you? Am I not better to you than ten sons? You know? what? I just laugh thinking about if my dad had said that to my mom if she was having a bad day. You have me. What else do you need? <laughs> You're, but you are great, Dad. On one occasion... Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, deeply hurt. Isn't that the description of depression at times? Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, Remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk. How about that? You're depressed, you're sad, somebody's taunting you, and then the priest thinks you're drunk. She was having a bad time here. And he said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace, and may the Lord of God grant the request you've made him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you that you are a personal God, not made with hands, Lord, but you are one who understands our pain, our anguish, our resentment, our sadness, and our tears. God, I pray that you would let me get out of the way this morning and that you would speak through me a message of hope for all of us today, that if we seek you, we can find you, Lord. And as you're glorified, you will remedy all of the brokenness in the world. And we thank you and praise you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the story of Hannah, Hannah probably many today would consider struggling with mental illness. Can't you see that? Anguish, lonely, resentment. She was struggling, but yet she was a godly woman. So one of the things I will say to you today is just because you might struggle with some mental struggles, as we all do at one point in life or another, it doesn't mean that you're not a godly person or that God is not in you. It just means you're struggling in that moment. Hannah was probably considered one of the most godly women in Scripture, yet she struggled. The Bible's full of people with mental illness. David, you could probably say, was depressed. He may have even had a manic episode when he went after Bathsheba. I mean, there's lots of different things that you can look at in Scripture. We could have great nerdy conversations about that all day. We could do that after church. But my husband told me to keep in line with time because everybody's going to be hungry. So thank you. He keeps me in line. <laughs> um, but I'm so thankful, like I said, that God, he loves us so much that even in Scripture, he gives us stories that we can relate to. So let's dive in and unpack this a little bit. Let's look at the characters. Elkanah, a godly man who attended the altar every year. So he was a godly man, even though he had two wives. Just because culture accepted something like polygamy in that day does not mean that God said it was okay. There's lots of things about our culture today that God allows, but that doesn't mean they're okay, right? And they did call that polygamy, you know, him marrying two wives did cause some problems. Peninnah knew she wasn't as loved as Hannah, and Hannah couldn't have children, but Peninnah could. So there were problems there, and Peninnah taunted her. But I can also have some grace for Peninnah because she felt like she wasn't as loved. She may have struggled with some mental things too. But Peninnah, in her frustrations and in her struggles, she responded by taunting Hannah. Have you ever had that person in your life you feel like just taunts you? And when you're younger, sometimes it's your siblings. You know, we used to pull each other's hair. I'm sorry. Yeah. We had a lot of hair, though. Um, but even in life, maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a family member, sadly, or who knows what. It could be someone who taunts you. How did Hannah respond, though? She took her hurt and her desires to the Lord. Although she was bitter in anguish, she took her desires to the Lord. And then good old Eli, the priest, he's our other character. I think one of the things we can learn through him is culture might impact our view of others, 
You know, he thought she's probably just one of these other crazy women in society who's drunk because it was a pretty dark culture at that time. But he learned that even effective prayer can be quiet because Hannah was praying quietly and her mouth was just, you know, moving. But she was praying to the Lord of hosts, as some versions say, which means the Lord of mighty armies. Hannah realized, I wrestle not against flesh and blood. Peninnah wasn't her true enemy. It was the devil. It was Satan who was her true enemy. So she called out to the Lord of armies. She needed him to fight her battle. So here's what I want us to learn today from this passage of Scripture and that I really believe can help us with mental struggles in our life is that when you seek to glorify God, First of all, through your decisions, like Hannah did, that would be the right reason to have make decisions. Seeking to glorify him through your decisions, first of all. Do you do that? Why do you make the decisions that you do? You know, when you ask somebody, why would you have kids, if they have kids? It's interesting, the responses you'll get. They'll say, well, it was just the right time. Or to procreate or I wanted someone to carry on my name or something like that what did Han- why did Hannah have a child to glorify God I am not that spiritual I would like to say that I was but wow what a reason to have kids to glorify God now I pray now that they glorify God but I don't know that I went into heaven I'm thinking that but we can, from this day forward, make every decision that we do to glorify God. Not ourselves, but Him. Now, you might not have children. Maybe you are struggling to conceive, or maybe you, you don't feel called to have children. That doesn't mean that the message is not the same for you, that in all decisions you seek to glorify Him. And next is to seek to glorify Him through your relationships. Do your relationships glorify God? Hannah sought to glorify God in her marriage, even in her relationship to Peninnah. Because it doesn't show you anywhere in this passage of Scripture that she responded to her in a negative way. I, I don't know that I could have done that. I would have been like, leave me alone, you crazy person. I'm just kidding. Um, she also... In her relationship to Eli, in her response to him, she glorified God. She said, I'm not drunk. And then she also, when he gave her a word of faith, she listened to that and she responded. And then she dedicated her son to the temple. And I said this in the earlier service, no offense to my beautiful children, but I can, when your kids are three or four, like, they're cute and they're busy and it it is tough. But it would be really hard to, like, give them over to the temple once they're weaned to serve the Lord, you know. I said, maybe when they're teenagers, you might want to be like, you can take them for a while. It's fine. Just kidding. Um, He's going to be, he might need therapy after this message, but just kidding. But. It would be hard. I cannot imagine giving my child over to the service of the Lord at that age. But she did. She not only 
though in her prayer to the Lord, she gave him wholeheartedly. She dedicated him to the Lord. You know how I know that? Because she talked about when it said, she, I will give him to the Lord all the days of my life, and his hair will never be cut. He wasn't just called to be a, Levi, a Levite, which was a priest, which they served typically between ages of 30 and 50. But she gave him to be a Nazarite for life. And the only other person in Scripture who was called to be a Nazarite for life was Samson. And a Nazarite, some of the Levites could take that vow from time to time, but not for life. I always wonder how long their hair got at some point, though. You know. Um, but she wholeheartedly gave him to the Lord. She truly glorified him in her relationships. I often think, too, you know, we have dedication services at church where we dedicate our children to the Lord. We should never stop doing that, right? We should continuously do that all the days of their life. And again, in all your relationships, whoever's in your sphere of influence, maybe it's your coworkers. Can you glorify God in your relationship with your coworker or the cashier or the waitress or the children in your neighborhood? All the relationships, are you seeking to give him glory? The next thing I want us to learn is seeking to glorify God through forgiveness. Hannah had to forgive a lot of people in her life. It's easy to see that she had to forgive Peninnah because she taunted her often. You know, do you glorify God in, in forgiving people? God had to forgive her also. Hannah was a godly woman, but she struggled, right? And he, he probably had to forgive her for the areas of her unbelief. I love that passage of Scripture in the New Testament where the, the guy says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because I can understand that. Sometimes when you can't see, it's hard. She thought God had forgotten her, which is in almost a way, it's, it's I forgot, did he forget me? When she says, please remember me. I found this big word, anthropomorphism, or we could say alphabet. <laughs> um, and it basically is a way of explaining God's action in human terms that we can understand even if it doesn't perfectly describe God. So when it says in Scripture she felt forgotten in a way, it wasn't that God forgot her or that when you know he remembered her, it wasn't that he ever forgot her. It's that he was acting on her behalf at that point. But remember is just the best way humans could describe it in this instance. Seek to glorify God also by trusting him. Hannah was a great example of Hebrews 6.12 where it talks about through faith and patience she inherited the promises of God. It is so hard to believe and have faith when you can't see, when you don't understand. And maybe you don't even believe at times the promises of God. But it's just walking out one step at a time saying, I'm going to believe even if I don't feel like it right now. Elkanah also had to trust God. When she said, hey, we're going to give our son over to the Lord, going to let him after we wean him, you know, she had to at least talk to her husband about that. And he said, okay, not until the child's weaned. Then I will take him that he may, be, may appear before the Lord. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. 
Maybe that's good advice for husbands. You can say, do it. I'm just kidding. Um, but he stayed and weaned her, or weaned, she stayed and weaned the child, and then he says, only let the Lord establish his word. He was saying, do everything in obedience to God so his word may be established in us. And number five, seek to glorify God by worshiping him. One of the things that marked this family was worship, their service to God. It's a repeated characteristic of this family. Even in difficult situations, they worshiped him. Do we do that? I'll never forget years ago, I was going through a difficult transition in life, and I read the verse in Hebrews 13, 15, it talks about um, to bring a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it does feel like a sacrifice to praise when you're hurting, when you're struggling with mental illness. But that's what we can do. So how do we remedy this? Well, I say all these things, and how does that relate to mental illness? Well, I can be honest with you. When you seek to glorify anything other than God in any area, but specifically in your decisions, in your relationships, through forgiveness, trust, and worship, the result can lead to mental illness. I'm not saying that always does, but it can. When we focus too much of our relationships on how it impacts us or even just how it impacts the other person versus what God wants to do in that relationship, things can go wrong very quickly. We live in the most self-centered generation ever. Wouldn't you agree with that? And though that self-centeredness leads to so many problems, so many mental illnesses. Again, not the only reason, but definitely some aspects of it. When you worry too much about your own impact or, or glorifying yourself in the decisions that your kids make, that will make you anxious. And it's not like we wake up and go, oh, man, I want my kids to glorify me today. You know, but what do we do? We think their grades are a reflection on us. We think their decisions are a reflection on us as parents. So if our kids turn out to do amazing things, we're like, look at us. We're amazing parents. You know? But if they don't turn out to do those things, we say, what did I do wrong? I'm horrible. But if we seek to glorify God... We don't get the glory if they're great, but we also don't get the blame if they don't choose the right paths because we've given them to him. And you can see how that can definitely change the way you look at things mentally. And again, it's not that we won't struggle. It's a daily thing that we have to seek him and seek to glorify him. Glorify means to place in heaviness, respect, honor on God in everything that we do. So what's the remedy for all this? Well, you can seek to glorify God in, in your decisions by praying. Isn't that what Hannah did? And she prayed earnestly. And I would 
probably argue that she didn't just pray in the temple that day, that it was a lot, probably multiple years and days of prayer. I do think that was the moment that she was like, okay, Lord, I'm done. Because when she got up from that prayer, she was like, okay. It says she ate, she finally ate, and she no longer looked despondent. She had finally given it to him. We can also seek godly counsel. That's another way we can seek him in our decisions. Reading the word is a great place to have godly counsel. And walking by faith like she did. We should also seek to glorify God in our relationships by bringing joy to others. That is, that is what God wants us to do. And here's how I define joy. Joy is when you're with someone and they love to be with you. And it's that feeling you have when you're like, man, they just, I just love to be with them. They love to be with me. That is joy. We should have that at church. I felt that from you guys today. That is joy. And you know that the joy of the Lord is the Lord saying, I love you. I love to sit with you. I love to be with you just as you are. When you have that joy and you view God in that way, that is strength, right? Where it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. We should give that joy to other people by being a positive influence on them, by celebrating their successes. Sometimes we do a really good job. Oh, we need to pray for that person. We'll pray for them. But do we praise God for the successes of others too? Do we celebrate with them? And then help others. We also can seek to glorify God by being forgiving. You have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive others. Hannah really had to forgive Peninnah, you know. I love her response to her was, it, it doesn't say. She just kind of took that taunting, but she put, gave her anguish to the Lord. She really sought that, sought the Lord in glorifying him through forgiving. She, maybe she had to forgive herself. For the times when she doubted. Seek to glorify God by trusting him. What is it that you need to trust God with? That's why I said fill in the blank there. Do you need to trust him with your finances? Do you need to trust him with your marriage? Do you need to trust him with your kids? And that's hard. Sometimes it's hard just to let them you know, walk down the street by themselves when they're little or ride a bike when you let go. And then as they get older, it really does get scarier when you let them drive on their own or go off to college or make their own decisions. God gave us choice, right? What do you need to fully lay at the feet of Jesus like Hannah did so that you can get up and no longer be despondent. What is it that you need to give him to trust him? And also, we have to seek God, seek to glorify God in our worship. It is not about us. And worship is our service. However we're serving God, we're praising God. It is not about us. It's about him. If we glorify him, it's much better. And I'll tell you, God is not some big egocentric God that says, hey, 
I don't want you to do anything on your own and be all about me because he's just an ego. It's because he's the creator of the universe. He gave us life. He gave us love. He is love. And he knows that it is the best thing for us to worship him and him alone. Because when we worship ourselves, when we glorify anything else, and when we're not glorifying him, who are we glorifying? Ourselves. And it gets so messed up when we glorify ourselves over God. Anything else, it gets completely messed up and broken. So that's why we have to seek him in all things. And I do want, I want to pray for you guys as mothers today, as fathers, as sisters, brothers, children, neighbors, whatever it is that the that God has given you to be in relationship to others as an employee, as a servant of the Lord, or just as a created being by God. I want you to seek to glorify him in your decisions, in your relationships, through forgiveness, by trusting him and worshiping him, because that's what's best for you. And it will help you mentally. When you can lay it at the feet of Jesus, it can help alleviate your anxiety. It can help you when you feel up or when you feel down or when you feel lonely or anguished or taunted. When you seek to glorify him and not let it be so focused in on yourself, that's when God can make it right. And the hope of the gospel of making all things new. I love that. So when you think today about this message and you think about your own life and and Mother's Day and how you want to be remembered and all the things that we might reflect on today, what is it that you want to glorify in your life? Who is it that you want to glorify in your life? How is God calling you to respond to that question of who am I seeking to glorify? What am I seeking to glorify? And what do I need to change in that area? What, what decisions do I need to give to him? What relationships do I need to give to him? And I'll tell you, these are questions you probably should ask yourself every single day so that you're seeking to glorify him and not yourself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, God that you've taught us, God, that we should seek to glorify you, the creator of all things, the God of love, the one true God, that it's not about us, it's about you, and you gave us life to enjoy and to have abundantly. But God, if we make it about us, it gets messed up, and we've seen that in our culture. We've seen the effects of self-centeredness, God, But I pray that today we'd be like Hannah and that we would seek to glorify you in every relationship that we have and every decision that we have, God. And that we can get up and walk out of here today by giving it all over to you and we can not be despondent anymore, Lord, but we can go out in joy knowing that we're going to seek to glorify you, the one alone who's worthy. God, I praise you for this church, family, for the pastor here, Lord. I pray that you would use this series to glorify you, Lord. 
I thank you and praise you what you're doing in this community. And I thank you for mothers and for the privilege that you've given us. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you just tell her thank you for being with us this morning? Um, we're going to give away some gift cards, but before we do that, we want to pray. Um, specifically for people that are in the room that, are, that today just hit home for you. Um, here's the, the verse that God put on my heart before I came up. It's Matthew 12, 20. It says this about Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he has brought justice through to victory. Here's what that means. You're sitting here today. You've been listening to, um, to Natalie talk about seeking to glorify God in these different areas of our lives, and you know that, that God is highlighting something in your life that you really need prayer for especially in the area of mental health. What I love about this verse is, and I, maybe, maybe it's just me, but there have been moments when it feels like you're hanging on by a thread, doesn't it? And what that verse, see, what it means that we just read is that when you're in the place where you feel like you're barely hanging on, Jesus didn't come to go, well, since you're barely hanging on, let's go ahead and cut that rope and just be done with it. Now, he, he doesn't do that to bruised reeds. He doesn't put out a, a, a flame that's barely still burning. He, he blows and brings that back to life. And so we don't want to do these Sundays where we talk about mental health and we talk about emotional health because, you know, we want to be healthy way more than we want to be smart, right? We want to be healthy. And so we don't want to talk about these things just to give you information and knowledge and then also not take the time to pray over you. So would you just do this? Just be courageous and say, hey, what was talked about this morning resonates to me, and I just would love for somebody to pray for me. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. Just raise your hand and say, that resonates with me. And if you would just keep your hand up, someone near you is going to put their hand on your shoulder right now. Or if you guys want to go, we got people that would love to pray with you. They'll probably walk to you and just pray with you right now. And we're just going to close this morning praying over these that have raised their hands, that God would be faithful. He always brings the right person to deliver the right message at the right time. Because he loves us, right? And so um, as we close this morning, would you just pray with me for these that have raised your hand? And if nobody's gotten to you yet, just keep, keep your hand up, and we're going to pray. Father, we just pray this verse over our friends. We thank you that you're the kind of God who doesn't um, tolerate us. You don't put up with us. You don't look to get rid of us because we're getting on your nerves. I mean, all of us probably have friends like that, but that's not who you are. And the Jesus that you sent here, he came specifically, the verse we read was part of his mission, was to find reeds that were bruised, to find these flames that were barely still burning, and to treat them with care. And so I pray right now over these that raise their hands. These, these hands represent hearts and stories, right? These are lives that matter to you, and they matter to us. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would just wrap around their hearts, God, that you would hold them close. Do what you promised to do. You said you'd be near to the brokenhearted. And here's what that means. When we talk about issues that break our heart, that promise means you're showing up in that room. You're going to be in the place where those things are talked about because you want to be close to us when our hearts are breaking. 
And so we just thank you that right now in these seats, you're meeting people who, who resonate, God, with that brokenhearted feeling. And that they are not alone and they're not out of place. They're right where you want them to be. And I thank you for meeting us here today. I thank you for Natalie and the word that you put on her heart. So it's such a perfect word for our body at this time. It's just who you are, God. And we thank you for seeing us and loving us and speaking to us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Oh, Lizzie, that's right. You got something to say. Come on. I almost forgot. You want, do you want Here, we'll sit down here. Come on. We'll sit down here. Y'all sit back down. Sorry. I want to make sure that, I want to make sure everybody can see Lizzie. Oh, yeah, I will. Everybody say, hey, Lizzie. Hi. Just make sure I don't go on Facebook, please. Every time I do something pretty cool, my mom's like, go on Facebook. Um, so first, I want to give a special shout out for the mothers in the house. Can we give a round of applause for the mothers? Um, I also want to give a shout out to my mom, who is um, not here today. She's at the beach with my uh, grandparents and sister. Um, she, and I'm probably about to cry, so bear with me. Um, she is probably someone I'd consider a lawyer because she has a lot on her plate but she keeps God first no matter what happens in her life and I'm someone who's struggling with things in my own life right now and that is honestly one of the hardest things in my life to do right now um but something that has helped me through a lot since the beginning of high school and also the beginning of COVID um, is Jeremiah 29:11, which says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that has been one of the most comforting things that have helped me through this time in my life because I'm a senior in high school now and um, juggling a lot with that in itself and COVID has has done a lot of damage to me mentally and emotionally. Um, but like the song, the song we sang this morning about the part, the part of the song, I forget the name because I'm, my thoughts are all over the place right now, so I'm sorry. It says, the more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I love you. I love you, and I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you, and breathe, feel your heartbeat, and I put, the this love is so deep, it's more than I can stand, in bold, because 
you think about all the things that can overwhelm you, but God's love is so much more overwhelming than that in a good way. Because there's things, if you think about it, like whatever's going on in your life that might be weighing you down. But God is ready to open arms to every one of us here and out beyond these walls and say, I'm here, just come running. So to the mothers, any mothers of little kids in here? Show of hands. <laughs> Question for the mothers of little, little kids. Life can be overwhelming, especially with little kids on your hands. You got, you got jobs, you got little, little kids to feed, and husbands and or wives to feed. You might even be a single mom with a kid on your hand and a job, and it's just a lot to juggle. But God is ready to relieve you of that stress. If you're ready to say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. And as I say that, a verse that comes to mind is Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's another reminder that no matter what we go through in life, we don't have to do it alone. And we, maybe today is the day that we need to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. Not in our own strength. So I want to ask you guys, not just the mothers, but every person in this house and online, are you going through a hard time today? Maybe you've been going through a hard time for the past few weeks or just in recent time. I want to challenge every one of you guys to give it to the Lord today. There's no need to carry that burden on your own from here on out. And I, I want to stand before you guys today and say that I'm giving everything I've got to the Lord. Because he deserves it. Thank you. Thank you for being bold and reminding us, making sure that nobody leaves without hearing it again. Yeah? That was a really good Mother's Day present to your mom. <laughs> All right. Listen, let's pray. Father, I thank you for Lizzie. Thank you for uh, just what you're, what you're doing in her life. I kept thinking while she was talking that this is what it's like when you begin to move any overflow. You know, you just start to move in our heart, and we get overwhelmed, and it's a good thing, and then what's in us starts to come out, and how you're moving starts to come out, and sometimes I just, I just felt the passion in her words. You know, just don't hold on to it. I mean, just give it to the Lord, and it's such a strong reminder for us as we leave today to not think we just did our time here for a service. And you're calling us to an altar, to a place, a table where we can literally fellowship with you, give you what's on our heart, 
And then you give us in return that peace that we learned about this morning. So I pray that um, we would take the reminder to heart to glorify you in everything that we're doing. I pray for Lizzie, God, that you'd bless her um, as she's stepping into new seasons of her life and that you would fill her, God, with hope and joy. I love the verse that you've given to her, and it's such a powerful one over all of us. Um, you have given us a hope and a future, and we walk with that confidence in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you tell Lizzie thank you again and Dr. Atwell as well? Listen, Natalie is going to be out in the lobby just for a little bit because I know they're going to go eat lunch, so we don't want to hold you up. But she'll be in the lobby if you want to talk to her. She also has a podcast. I think they've got the picture. They're going to throw it up there. It's called Miss Miss Congeniality and the Third Runner Up. Um, Would love for you to check that thing out. I've listened to a couple of those. They're fantastic. They're pretty fun and just it's just a great. It'll make you feel good, make you smile. So check that out as well. You can see her in the lobby. Um, we'll see you guys next Sunday. Have a great Mother's Day.